All right. Uh, let me stretch. Good. <laughs> okay. I'll take a sip. All right, take that sip, mm. and then we'll record in. Oh, that was a quick sip. Okay. You're welcome, Hayden. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to Searching the Catalog, a podcast brought to you by the Queen Anne's County Library. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Derek. And we are your hosts. And for those new to listening, every month Derek and I choose a genre. We find older and unique books that fit that genre, and we discuss them here on this podcast. I read at least one adult fiction and one adult nonfiction book. I read a picture book, a J book, and a young adult book. And for this month, we went seasonal, mm-hmm. and we read... Horror. Yes. Big fan of horror, but very picky. <laughs> um, I looked through a lot of books for this, and I read a lot of books for this. Nice. But how did your search go? Um, it was actually pleasant. However, I do have to admit that... Um, Looking for the YA was a little difficult at first until one of our fellow librarians recommended a book to me, and just I enjoyed like, it. Just like a librarian. I know, all that, right? Popping up there with it. Using that MLS. <laughs> <laughs> Always eager and ready to help. Um, so do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I'll start with my picture book. Okay. So it's called Little Boo by Stephen Wonder- Wonderly, mm-hmm. and it's illustrated by Tim Zeltner. Uh, little Seed wants to be scary, but he's too small and cute to be. For now. Mm-hmm. This alliterative story demonstrates to readers the importance of patience. Seed is excited to grow up and to be big and scary, but um, the wind constantly assures him that he mustn't rush and that uh, with time he'll be able to achieve his dreams. Uh, the book has at least a full page, if not more, of illustration per fold and is about medium wordy. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all uh, Technical terms. Yep. Yes. <laughs> um, what I, I guess I would explain that as is like uh, the most words that you ever find on a page is about like three long sentences, mm-hmm. and um, there's a vibrant picture uh, every other page, so that way you're always looking at an illustration. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, very cute. We have our little seat. I'm showing Jasmine now our uh, pictures, mm-hmm. and it opens up with like a little message to all the little boos who want to be big, be patient, keep trying, mm-hmm. etc. But yeah, very beautiful illustrations. Um, kind of reminding me of some traditional American art, actually. Mm-hmm. Aw, it's cute. Yeah. And so he goes through the seasons, wanting to be scary, and he keeps trying to scare all the things around him. And then he starts to grow, and he's still trying to be scary, but he's not very scary as he's growing. But eventually he matures, mm-hmm. and he achieves his dreams. Yay. Yay. Love it. So, um, horror... Definitely. Terrified. Terrified. Uh, the, the scariest story I read easily. Um, no, of course not, but uh, definitely a scary, you know, it's scary, right? About he scary. Wants to scare. He wants yeah. to scare people. It's very seasonal. Cute um, story. Highly recommend. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can um, get up to that horror level. I know. I know. After that, <laughs> high, that, high bar set. After that spooky, <laughs> that spooky book. Um, but my... Uh, my fiction choice for this month, I read The Hollow Places by T. Kingfisher. Um, and just as a little, a little background, um, T. Kingfisher is the pen name of author Ursula Vernon. Um, she writes children's books under her real name, and for the dark adult uh, scary stories, she writes under T. Kingfisher. Oh yes, I remember you telling me about that. And as T. Kingfisher, she's written horror novels based on old horror short stories. Um, and The Hollow Places is based on Algernon Blackwood's The Willows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into this completely blind. Uh, I was searching in the catalog, as we do. 
uh, for horror novels. I saw T. Kingfisher, who I hadn't heard of at that point. I saw um, this author had a few horror novels out and um, that The Hollow Places was on the shelf. So I grabbed it and I looked at it. I saw that T. Kingfisher is Ursula Vernon. And I was pleased because she is, in addition to being an author, um, is also an artist. Mm-hmm. And I knew of her work. Um, still had no idea what the book was about. <laughs> um, or even that it had inspiration from an even older horror story from 1907. Okay. Um, and I'm going to talk about as much of it as I can without spoiling it. Um, the Hollow Places is strange, humorous, at least at first, and has a long setup. The horror slowly creeps up on you, but once it reaches that point, you're stuck in the middle of it, and it's always tense, and you're always wondering what's going to happen next. Our main character, Kara, or Carrot, uh, as she's called, is a recently divorced 30-something-year-old graphic designer who, in order to not move back in with her mother, accept her Uncle Earl's invitation to live and work in his museum, the Glory to God Museum of Natural Wonders, Curiosities, and Taxidermy in Hog Chapel, North Carolina. Okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> Taxidermy Museum. Yeah. Loving it. That's, that is the setting. Okay. Um, it's a Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? um, popular in town, beloved to Carrot herself. Um, when her Uncle Earl goes to the hospital for knee surgery, Carrot takes over running the museum and one day finds that a tourist has accidentally knocked a hole in the wall. When she enlists Simon, a friend and a barista, to help her fix it, they find that the hole actually goes into another room behind the museum. And once they open it up, find that it's a hallway with doors and should no way be even able to exist given the physics of the building itself. Mm. Um, they explore, of course, and that's when they find a bunker with a dead body behind one of the doors. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gets even weirder because the other door opens up into a place that is filled with little islands, all containing another um, bunker and door and a willow tree beside it. Huh. Okay. When I leave it at that, it sounds more fantasy-like than horror, perhaps. Uh, but believe me. It, it really it really gets into the work. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this. I'm uh, very picky about horror media in general. I don't like the in-your-face splatterpunk or mm-hmm. gore. Um, and I prefer the unsettling horror of the eldritch unknowable things and the kind of scared where you might not even realize that you're scared until later at night when you can't stop thinking about what you've just read. Uh-huh. Um, and I got exactly what I wanted with The Hollow Places. Nice. And I'm just going to show Derek. There's, look at that. We got a little, little willow tree on the mm-hmm, cover mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. No, definitely sounds spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, I, I, I enjoyed when you were talking about the beginning, because I feel like a lot of the stories play with that whole, um, you don't get to know everything. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the prime parts of horror, I think, is when you are ignorant to what is the larger story that's going around you. Mm-hmm. Well, which is a theme I think that got repeated very often. Um, especially in my next novel. Do you want to? Yeah, let's yeah. go. Let's my go next novel, um, Hide and Don't Seek, mm-hmm. uh, which is the name of the anthology, um, and as well as the, the very first story in the book, mm-hmm. which I found moderately spooky. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't I wasn't like like super impressed. Uh, but the second story left my skin crawling, and mm-hmm. I was like. <laughs> all, all that? <laughs> yes, no, definitely. Like, I put down the book and I was like, okay, hmm. I was like, I wonder how, how if we're going to be able to top that one, because that one definitely was unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's definitely uh, varying levels of scariness. Not everything can be, like, you know, top five horror. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, Beatrice. It's it has, it's a story. One? Yeah, it's a story about a doll. Mm -hmm. So like, oh, you know, I love the doll. Yeah, 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 you know, you got a love a doll story. Um, and they're all they're all fairly quick. They're fairly oh, short. Um, I see. I see. There was a little bit of texting in some of them. Yeah, and that's what I was going to go into. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, there's definitely a lot of mix of style. So there's some that are done as texts. Mm -hmm. This story is done in the form of letters. Uh, and then we also get like a whole bunch of uh, different points of view. Sometimes it's first person. Sometimes it's third person. Uh, one of the stories actually takes place from the point of view of a dog, mm -hmm. uh, and. They're all they're all very fun, but um, as I was mentioning, a lot of the time the horror comes from that uh, that concept of what's happening to the character. Uh, you might know more, but the character doesn't know, or someone doesn't know something mm -hmm. is going on. Um, but yeah, I recommend Hide and Don't Seek. It was it was scary, mm -hmm. spooky. Um, I think it might actually give some kids like like you know like some like little. Uh, Light nightmares. When I when I was a kid, if I was too scared by like a book or something, I would give it to my dad and make him hide it, like in the closet underneath things, so it couldn't come out. And get, do you think? Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Definitely. And um, there is a story actually about a book in here too, which I appreciated because I was like, oh, that's good because like you know, very meta. Yeah. <laughs> give the kids to be something to be scared of while holding it. And it's all one author. It's all by the same author. Okay. Yeah. So a collection of her. Her. Yes. Yep. Yep. Her um, spooky short stories. Yeah, she did a good job. And uh, you know, some of them are like kind of similar to some of the stories you might have read before, mm -hmm. but nothing new under the sun. Yeah. I will move on to my next book. Uh, one of my nonfiction choices nice. for um, for this month, um, and it is called "Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs?" <laughs> uh, big questions from tiny mortals about death by Caitlin Dowdy. Um, depending on how online you are, you might already know of Caitlin Dowdy from her Ask a Mortician YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. um, or you may have read one of her other books, um, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory, uh, or Eternity, Traveling the World to Find a Good Death, or <laughs> oh, From Here to Eternity. Um, sorry about that. Or um, the book that I will be mainly discussing today, Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? Um, I want to note here that I'm playing fast and loose with our genre choice this month because I don't think this is a horror book. Mm -hmm. It is about death. Um, but death and topics surrounding it shouldn't have to be scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's seasonal, I think, as well as a unique and interesting book made up of answers to questions children have asked Caitlin Dowdy, a licensed mortician and funeral home director. Uh, will your cat eat your eyeballs? Do your hair and nails actually keep growing after you die? How does cremation actually work? And many other questions are um, answered in this fun, quick read. If you're curious about death or what happens to a body after death, give this one a read. Um, there's a lot of interesting information in it. And Dowdy's uh, very cheerful answers are accompanied by cute illustrations at the start of every chapter. Oh, and yay. I, will, I love a little illustration. And I will show Derek now. <laughs> and they all relate to the question, of course. <laughs> I actually read her two other books as well, and I honestly recommend all three of them. Uh, there's some overlapping information, but all are about death and burial rites in different ways. Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs answers questions asked about death. From Here to Eternity examines how different cultures view death and care for their dead. 
and Smoke Gets in Your Eyes is a memoir about Dowdy's foray into working at a crematorium. Um, I think out of all of them, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes is actually the most gory and descriptive <laughs> um, because she also had the job of body pickup mm-hmm. and it goes into detail about every aspect of what goes on at a funeral home from picking up the body to prepping it to cremation or embalming and burial. Um, but they're all very good reads. Nice. Yeah. Will, will, will my cat eat my eyeballs? Is that too big of a spoiler? Um, she basically said... Yes. Well, yeah, but I don't think the eyeballs would be, um, like, the easiest thing for the cat to go with. Mm-hmm. Okay, she basically said, if any, if any, uh, if you die, mm-hmm. and you're the only one taking care of your animal, mm-hmm. and your animal, your animal, regardless, cat or dog, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever animal's, like, you know, sneaking around on your carpet, yeah. um, will eventually eat you. Yeah. Um, but they will probably go for, like, um... Like the stick out appendages, like lips or nose or something mm. like that. Like, you know, easy things. to, easy I, to, yeah, yeah, I feel like, like your cheek yeah, soft. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like eyeballs would not be, um, yeah, they'd have to work for it. Yeah. yeah. But technically, yeah, they, they will, yeah, yeah, they yeah, will yeah, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'd be hungry too. Yeah. <laughs> I can't blame them. Uh, speaking of eyeballs and gross things, um, there is a scene of that of that in my next novel mm-hmm. uh, House of Salt and Sorrows mm-hmm. by Aaron A. Craig. This was a good word. good read. I've I've been looking forward to this because you have been like dying to tell me for for a week now about this entire book. Yes, um, I I hope I will be able to uh, convey my enthusiasm for it without giving any spoilers away. Mm-hmm. Um, so Erin Craig, she actually started her career working in theater on various operas, mm-hmm. which I think uh, is very clear once uh, she comes to the passage uh, where there's this churning festival going on and there's a theater pageant. Um, her description of the way the scenes and the actors come on stage and the illusion of the underwater paradise, it was very uh, vivid and had me imagining uh, very clearly, like, you know, how she would have constructed this. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, she talks about how in opera and everything like that, there's like a lot of these, like, there's a lot of horrors actually in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in opera mm-hmm. and a lot of mysteries going on and scary things happening. So I think she really included like a lot of her experience in that, in, in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, it did start a little slow, kind of like you were mentioning with yours, Mm -hmm. but I guess that is partly inherent in, in the horror, the creep, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like, everything seems fine and like, you know, okay at first. Bam. Yeah. And then it just hits you. Um, so, uh, the first chapters are spent setting up the scenes, nothing spoopy really going on. Uh, we're following this, uh, perspective of the second eldest Thomas girl and, uh, Her name is Annalie. Mm-hmm. The reader finds out about these tragic deaths that have occurred around them. Uh, her mother and two of her sisters have died prior to us starting our story. Mm-hmm. And when we're opening, it's actually the death of her uh, third sister. So now it's the Thomas Eight, which is uh, symbolic of the Thomas Octopus. That is like their, their family like crest. Mm-hmm. And so I, I enjoyed that. I, I love a little number play in, in, the, in a story. It's always good. But um, all their deaths were fairly explainable. You know, mm-hmm. mom died because of a disease. Uh, one of her older sisters unfortunately killed herself for some unknown reason, but, you know, we just kind of accept that's what happened. And then most recently, the one um, fell from a height to her death. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's kind of accepting it as, like, you know, it was a dark and stormy night. She was out when she wasn't supposed to be, and she fell from this cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, Annalia doesn't buy it. She decides to dig deeper into this mystery, and uh, she wants to figure out what happened to her because 
Uh, her family is ready to move on. Mm-hmm. They've had all this death in her, their family, so they've been constantly mourning. And in their culture, you have to mourn for a full year mm-hmm. before you get to, like, you know, stop dressing in black, uh, actually have your windows to your house open, mm-hmm. and anything that's considered fun um, or, like, nice. Mm-hmm. And so the family is very much ready to move on. Annalise not moving on, and so she's searching for the killer of her sister. And that's when things start to get a little weird, Mm -hmm. because there's not very many clues that she can follow, and she's very quickly dead-ended. And I think that's about as far as I can go with, like, that plot, Mm -hmm. exactly, without um, uh, giving away any of the the major uh, twists and turns that are going to come up. But uh, the story was inspired by the Twelve Dancing Princesses, and includes scenes of, like, elegant balls that the girls intend, and... Other than that, though, there's not really much similarity to the fa- uh, to the tale of the Twelve Dancing Princesses. Yeah. It, it does arrive, uh, arise, but um, it's not super important. Mm-hmm. So one of the scenes I do want to read to you, though, however, mm-hmm. is uh, when Annalie is trying to take care of her stepmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, her stepmother is pregnant with a child. And her stepmother is, like, in discomfort. She's crying out in pain. She talks about how she heard the screams before she woke up. And she gets there, and she gets to the room of her stepmother, and she just says, make it stop. Oh, please, Annalie, make it stop. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, where does it hurt? And she says, it feels as though I will rip apart. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, we've learned that she has twins mm-hmm. in her stomach. And uh, I... I Horrifying. Yeah. Like, literally, I was reading it, and I was like, this is literally Jasmine's worst nightmare. <laughs> and so it keeps going on and in this passage, and she just talks about how she's going to, like, li- there's just not enough space for her. Her skin is, like, she describes the tautness of her belly and everything like that, how you can see, like, the spine of the child, like, going, pushing up against the skin and everything like that. And she describes it as, she's like, it looked almost, like, serpentine and mm-hmm. stuff, and, like, like there's, like, something else inside of her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's just a... That's just like a common horror. Yeah. That's and what, just... what I loved about this, as I was reading about the author, is I found out she actually had just given birth. Mm-hmm. And she was writing this book shortly thereafter when she had her time off, like, you know, and she was spending her time with her baby mm-hmm. and everything like that. So I was like, oh, yeah. She, she, yeah. she knew that. She, she, she put that little bit in there. <laughs> she knew that horror. She knew what it was like to have, like, a little thing growing inside of you and, yeah. like, like, how scary that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, the, the scenes of horror are, are, are spread apart, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, they, they pick up in intensity, and a lot of the, the horror and scary elements come from, again, that idea of being uncertain of what is true and what's actually going on, and do I know what is happening or not, and is there a larger power at play that I actually even have any control over? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, great book. Uh, it has it has some fantasy elements to it, mm-hmm. and it does end positively. Okay. So I'm willing to say that. Yeah. I mean, like, it's I'm not going to say like everything is perfect because it's not, mm-hmm. but it's still a little more lighthearted. Yeah. So that's part of the reason why I actually actually like really appreciated it too. Yeah. We, Spooky, but you know. We need a little. And me on that high note. We need a little good to come out of all this uh, scariness. Can't just be, can't just be a, a terrible time for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, uh, highly recommend House of Salt and Sorrows, Aaron Craig. Okay. 
I will move on to my last book, mm -hmm. um, another nonfiction book that I read. Um, this was called uh, Rabid, A Cultural History of the World's Most Diabolical Virus by Bill Wozick and Monica Murphy. And it's about rabies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a cultural history of rabies, and I think it was pretty good. Um, it's a mix of history and science. The authors take us through how rabies, obviously not the name then, but <laughs> was viewed in ancient civilizations to the Middle Ages, to the 1700s, to the Victorian era, to the present day. Nice. Okay. Um, I never thought about it, but I guess rabies has existed for yeah. a while. Um, I was a bigger fan of the history sections and the sections about scientific development. Hmm. No, no surprise there. <laughs> Um, I really liked the early chapters where the author discussed views of dogs and how there were different words for animalistic rage or madness rather than just regular anger. Mm. Um, and what was thought to be the cause and treatment of rabies. Um, but the chapter where the authors described how Louis uh, Pasteur developed a rabies vaccination was super exciting. Like... I don't know, like, it's kind of like a little thriller or something, on no. there, you know? It, it, was, it was just very neat. Cool. It was, it was just a very cool chapter. It kept me riveted. Uh, I didn't know it was Pasteur who, uh, yeah. who had invented one. Yep. Um, and there's an entire section on rabies in horror novels, um, besides Cujo. Oh, so nice. apparently the 1970s was prime time for rabies horror stories. Mm -hmm. um, so give it a read if you're interested in science, history, or just want to know more about rabies. <laughs> Never know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, and do you have any other? No, actually, I, I didn't. Well, yeah, no. I don't have. There was one story that I read that was, like, uh, too spooky for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was meant for children. And I was like, I don't think I can recommend this one because I am terrified. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, like, the shivers and the I can read. Oh, okay. uh, Definitely give me shivers. Yeah. Definitely tread with caution, mm -hmm. I would say. <laughs> okay. Then um, I think we're ready to wrap this episode Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Um, thank you to the Queen Anne's County Library staff for putting up with all our reading. And thank you to Hayden for continuing to edit our audio. Much appreciated. Um, and our next episode's genre will be... Realismo Magico. Or Magical Realism. Yeah. Going to have a lot of fun with that. And we're also probably going to have to re-explain what Magical Realism is. <laughs> um, It'll be all right. Yeah. So we will see you next time. Have a great day, everybody. And keep searching the catalog.